Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is September 10th, and I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Today, we're going to be talking about racism in America, part two, and we have a wonderful panel back, some uh, distinguished and uh, smart guys here to talk about this, so um, I'm just going to kind of bring everybody in uh, one at a time. No particular order. Uh, first, uh, Slim Dog. How are things going, Slim? Good, good. How are things with you? Um, things are good. You good. know, kind of hot, but what what can you say? Hey, so, we uh, just we just had snow here uh, a couple <laughs> days ago. We went from 90 degrees to a high of 38 yesterday, sure. and uh, we had wow. snow. Uh, the earliest snow recorded in Colorado. Uh, wow. So it's been a uh, real interesting. But uh, first, I want to congratulate you for making the finals uh, with the yeah. with the poll. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> and well well deserved, well deserved. You know what? I it wouldn't happen without people like you supporting me and this podcast. And this podcast wouldn't be this podcast without. I mean, shows like this and guests like you and everybody else who's come on to, you know, to to talk and, and to do it. So, you know, the, for me, this is a podcast for Browns fans and, and everybody else. So um, wherever the podcast goes in, the, in this tournament, to me, it's a victory for everybody that's ever done anything with this podcast, ever listened to it and everything. But, but thank you. So uh, next, Dwayne. Dwayne Evans. How, th- how are things going, Dwayne? Yes, sir. Living a dream. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the process, or we were in the process. I don't know where we're doing right now. Uh, uh, moving, trying to move, trying to find something bigger. We just got another promotion at work, so can't complain about that. Just hit oh. 15 years uh, with the federal government, so can't complain at all. Living a dream. Everything's good. Excellent. That's good to talk to you again, Dwayne. Absolutely. Love being here. Appreciate another chance to hang out with you guys. Absolutely. And then uh, my brother, Jeff. Jeff, how are you? Hey, doing good, Rod. So you got a distinguished panel, uh, really smart, intelligent guys here, and your brother. That's kind of cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was talking across the board. Hey. <laughs> You know, you guys were all here for the first one. And then, you know, I, I said, hey, who else should we get to come on and talk about this? And and Slim said, let's get uh, let's get coach in. So so we have Coach Tolliver here uh, by popular demand. Coach, how are things going? Oh, my goodness. Uncle Sugar has me extremely busy. Uh, and just to throw out throw it on out there, please wear your mask and have your gloves. Keep me unemployed for the time being. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, so so COVID is uh is pretty much the mission. Uh, uh, we're we're doing the very best we can to uh you know have some uh in place some mitigation uh and and just you know a lot of soldiers out there they're they're doing uh you know what they of course signed up for that's to serve, but um, a lot of them are like really away from their families and uh. You know, this is a, a very 
appreciate you just uh, finding the time to to join us and kind of squeeze us in. I know it's not easy. Yeah, I got some briefings I got to do for the brass. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it just feels good to be around, uh, you know, good friends and family, um, at least even if it's just for 20 minutes on this call. Get my mind away from all that stuff and just, just, just talk. That's yeah. right. Well, we're we're uh, very happy to have you with us, Coach. Yeah, thank you for yeah, your service, too, Coach. Oh, man, you know, I signed up for You know how I roll. I'm all yeah. the way in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, yes, did, we did part one of this, um, I, and I was going to write the date down, guys, but I think it was back in, what, June? If I, yeah. uh, that's probably yeah, about right. Pro- yeah, June. It was early June, so it's been about three months, and we're going to talk about this, but, you know, we'll get into how much has actually changed, if anything, since then. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anything has, uh, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, um, but before we get into all of that, on the first show, we kind of all went through our experiences growing up and kind of what what role race played for us as we were growing up and and um you know our experience with different races and so forth as we were growing up so i thought we would start just by getting coaches uh perspective on that uh, because everybody heard from the rest of us so i'm going to let coach go and just kind of talk about his his upbringing his you know a little bit of his youth and you know however far you want to go with it but um, you know, because it's a different story for everybody. So we, we kind of want to hear your story, Coach. Roger. Well, uh, you know, you got to understand, uh, I pretty much uh, lived all over the world. My daddy uh, was in the military. So we were basically in our, we were isolated from, you know, things that was going on outside of Pope. Um, I don't know if you guys been on a military installation, but it's literally its own community. Um, on base, and, you know, you have so many different nationalities, so many people that, you know, are, are from different places. Um, and my dad was, you know, a, a grumpy old, you know, salty sergeant. So, so uh, you know, all his soldiers used to come by the house and stuff, and you see them. So, you know, when I was young, I didn't see it like that, but when my dad got out, then I started understanding that there were differences. And the way I guess people dealt with those differences, yeah, it tended to be, uh, you know, racial undertones. So, um, you know, like I said, the, you know, the military, you know, everybody's green. Um, and we, 
we never came across anyone that showed any type of, you know, racial in, in, uh, insensitivities. Excuse me. But uh, you know, that's that's army. That's the army culture. That's the army way. Uh, you know, you get rolled up, you get put out the military for being racist. So as I progressed, my dad got out. Yeah, uh, we moved up north, um, and so that's where I started. You know, understanding. How, how some I hate people, to interrupt, Coach, but how old were you then, roughly? Uh, when my daddy was in the military, or when we moved and he got when, out. When you moved, was, when you got out, or when he got out. Yeah, I was, I was about 11, 11 or twelve years of age. Um, and you know, I remember my dad having that conversation with me, and you know, seeing things on Twitter, it, it really just made me pause because. I've had that conversation with my dad on how to conduct yourself when you were, you know, stopped by a police officer. Um, I had that, that conversation, you know, with my dad when a kid used to pick on me, um, you know, call me, uh, uh, said I had llama hair, um, you know, and then used to tell me that the only reason why I'm making, you know, good grades is because of the athlete, and that was all I was good for. Um, you know, I, I've had teachers that told me I was going to amount to anything. And uh, and that's why I'm a teacher now, because I'm I'm trying to counter all the negativity that I had to deal with, because the sad spectacle of what's happening now is that the things that I've experienced and things that my dad has experienced and his father, I'm living it right now in 2020. And that's the thing that's very humbling and disappointing um, to see how the veil of, you know, how people use race against you and it's the same thing that my dad used to talk about when I was growing up, you know, uh, I never forget. And still to this day, I, you know, I, it, it bothers me to this day. When we first moved to a place called Tacoma, Washington, uh, bought the first house, my mom received a letter in the mail from neighbors who were, you know, didn't want us there. And, you know, that, that was very tough to see my mom cry. You know, any boy that loves his mom know you don't ever want to see your mom cry. So, yeah, I, I've dealt with, you know, people and, and race. And I, I want to sit up here and say that things is like 20 times better. But it just doesn't feel right saying that. You know, we've made improvements. But doggone, don't you think we need to go a little bit further than where we're at? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and then, you know, unfortunately, I'll probably end up having to have the same conversation. And that's the part that really hurts. The that, that really bothers me. You know, uh, I had a, a student, and this, this killed a student asked me, he said, Coach, you're in the Army. Why are you in the Army? And I was like, because I love my country, even though it doesn't love you back. I <laughs> And then I remember I asked my dad that question when I was 14. And he told me that the flag has many meanings. He said, but one thing that would never change about that flag is the red and the color. Some 17-year-old boy is away from home for the first time in his life, and he's about to be asked to do the unthinkable. So that was... That's what I've always lived by. But that really touched a nerve with, with Coach. <laughs> so, 
sorry for talking so long-winded. That's okay. I mean, we wanted to hear your story, Coach. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you you said I don't think anybody is going to is going to tell you or or try to to disagree with you that things have changed dramatically in the past whatever period of time where we're going to say 10, 20, 30 years. You said some things have changed. What what do you think has gotten better, if anything? I, I I really I really don't know anymore. Um, when I turn on the TV, you know I try to avoid watching the news. You know, I, I if you were to put the photos that you see on television, and if you were to put them in black and white, if you put those photos in black and white, I bet you couldn't tell the difference between stuff that happened in the 60s and stuff that's happening now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm a history major. I have a degree in history as well. And I sat back and I froze the screen on my television and I tried to put it in black and white and I looked at some, some photos. Uh, and you really couldn't tell if that was the 60s or if that was now. Um I think that the only major difference is that we have social media tell stories a little bit faster. And then, you know, there's the big difference is you have so many information now. And with that power, you have folks that can create a certain narrative. For me, it appears that like stuff in the 60s was probably, you know, folks really telling the truth. There wasn't, there was no narrative. You know, you had the civil rights movement and all that stuff, people fighting for equality. Okay, cool. But you look at it now, it's more about a narrative on who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. You know, it almost mm-hmm. appears as if folks want to sit and talk. You know, have we forgotten how to communicate with each other because of all this, these new social media sites that we have, Twitter? Uh, folks don't know how to speak to each other or even Facebook. We don't know how to conversate anymore. So I would say that it's worse, not because of all the racial undertones, of course, but because we don't know how to communicate with each other anymore. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big part of it. For, for yeah, me... Uh, man, we're all just sitting up. Oh, go ahead, sir. Well, I, I was going to say, for me, I feel like the news media tries to divide us by race more than more than trying to uh, find ways to to unite us. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sweep things like you know, like like. Uh, um, George Floyd and Jacob Blake under the carpet. You know, those those are unique. Uh, um, I, they're not unique. Okay, I, I picked the wrong word there. Um, those those are things that need to be addressed. But the news media is always trying to look for things that are 
are black and white and they're trying to, to blow them up. I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I just, it bothers me. So I, I'm with you. I don't watch a lot of news because I really can't handle it because it's very divisive. I, I have a question for you guys. It feels like a lot, Coach, you say it feels like a lot hasn't changed since the 60s. And again, I think you're probably right. Do you, do you feel like the percentage of the population of this country that's that's racist? And I'm, I'm talking blatantly racist, okay? Maybe everybody has a little bit of racism in them because they might feel uncomfortable or some... Uh, some shade of discomfort around people of the other race because they because they don't know them and aren't familiar with them and, or whatever. But the percentage of the population that's that's truly racist and is going to to be nasty to the other race uh, or other races. You feel like that's the same or or less or 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 higher at this point. You know what, Mr. Rod? I, I think for me, like this is this is how I see it. Now, I'd have lived on the East Coast, West Coast, North and the South. I enjoy being in the South because at least I know where I stand when I go to certain towns. There are certain towns where I'm at where <laughs> you really don't want to be out late at night if you're mm-hmm. a person of color. Now, let's look at up North, like places where I've been up North. You have people that, yeah, I vote Democrat. But then when they see me walk in for a job interview, oh, man, he doesn't look too friendly. <laughs> so I, I get my application whooped on that. So so I just think people are just not honest with themselves. That, that's what I think. They're just not honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with certain with certain leadership now, certain people in high places, you know, they all they have done is given people a voice to come out and say the things that they've been wanting to say. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I mean, they got the free pass. That's why I can't wait for the next couple of years to see all these same people trying to apologize and go back and say, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. that's, 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 that's how I see that. So yeah, you are absolutely correct when you say that the media is playing a big part in this. I definitely agree with that. But I also believe this folks been wanting to say certain things to get off their chest for a while. They, 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 it's, it's probably been in the back of their minds, their hearts. They probably had a situation where a, a dude might have cut him off in traffic and he wanted to say something, but he didn't want to say it because he knew it was kind of wrong. But yeah. it's free reign now. It, it, it's free reign. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I go back to saying that, you know, things, you know, doesn't appear that it's changed, but I, I just think that we have to somehow find the means to communicate, hear the hard truths, you know, understand that, you know, even with George Floyd, it's been countless George Floyds before him. I was almost a George Floyd on several occasions. And I'm like the nicest guy in the world, to be honest with you. I'll second that. Yeah. Isn't that not do for, I won't do for you, but you know, we all have George Floyds. And then at the same time, when you do bring it up, nobody wants to listen and hear what you have to say. Oh, no, that never happened. No, that had never happened. Uh, no, nah, you're just making that up. I mean, I had a guy on Twitter tell me I was making it up. Here I am. Cop got a, a gun drawn to my head because I fit a description. <laughs> so there's not that. I don't 
and to be quite honest with you, I don't know that many black men that have not been pulled over and they cut the light on in their car, pull down their, their license and then keep their hands on the steering wheel and tell the police are, sir, I am going to get my wallet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, very slowly. It's, it's not that many of us. I don't think that it has never experienced that, right. you know, Slim and them might have, oh, right. you know, they might have, <laughs> they might have got lucky. Oh. I was <laughs> well, well, let's bring Slim in and get his thoughts on you know, this. Uh, my dad, uh, uh, coach, was a deputy sheriff in Summit County, and he, as a cop, a deputy sheriff, gave us the talk as well, you know, because he saw it firsthand, you know, with cops. You know, he was a he came to the force in 1963, you know, so he saw that. And I tell a lot of my friends that uh, uh, you can ask any African-American person and they will tell you a story where they were discriminated against or had blatant racism done to them. You know, that's the um, uh, that's the America that we're in. I mean, just like you said. You can ask just about any per any black person, and they can tell you a story personally. You know, uh, uh, I had it to where I was in Indianapolis, and uh, uh, I was being dumb, and I was speeding in a rental car, and I got pulled over by the Indianapolis uh, Indiana State Patrol. And so, you know, they got me out of the car, and they handcuffed me, sat me to the side, searched the car, and so. The officer said, because they were doing some federal type thing, like a click it or ticket or, you know, drink or driving that weekend that they for their, you know, for their records, for their state records, they had to uh, uh, arrest me and not, you know, not let me go. That was their excuse. But the cop had me in the backseat of the car and he goes, you know what, you're lucky. And I said, why is that? He goes, if you were a couple counties up. I don't know what would have happened to you. Mm-hmm. A couple counties up, he goes, the couple counties up, the, the police up there have a reputation. Seriously, if, if they would have caught you up there, I don't know what they would have done to you. And that scared me when he said that. Sheesh. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. what counties down here that's like that. So, Slim, what do you do? You think what do you think as far as the percentage of the population that's racist? Do you think that's going? Do you think that's the same as it's been, or do you think it's going up or down? I uh, it's probably gone up in numbers because we've seen more people come out, you know, out the woodwork, like Coach said. Mm-hmm. But the numbers have always. I think the numbers have always been there. It's just that now it's more open. You see more people uh, uh, because of the state that the uh, uh, the nation is in right now, to where uh, you know uh, four or five. You know, uh, President Trump says things and and does innuendos to to where uh, now it's at a point where people say. Oh, that's just that's just the president being the president, you know. So people feel that they can turn around and be like the president and say things and do things 
and get away with it. And and some people are finding out you're not getting away with it. Uh, I posted yeah. uh, a couple days ago that truck in in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know th- that said "f you n word," Trump 2020. You know who gets up in the morning decides they're gonna paint something on the back of their truck as racist as that is and drive around and not think anything was going to happen to them that they just did that they just didn't care they didn't care i just you know i sat for a few hours after posting that and i said you know what kind of mind set do you have where you think you can turn around and say something like that and not think there's going to be any repercussions for it yeah. you know that's the that's the type of that's a type of right now of America that we're in to where people think they can say and do whatever they want. And, and we need to, as a country, uh, you know, I had somebody tell me on uh, Facebook, you know, just ignore it and go about your business and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Go about your business, ignore it. They're, you know, they're just ignorant and stuff, but you can't ignore that when it's being thrown in your face all the time. And and for me personally, I'm going to combat it. You know, I'm going to fight. And, and Coach said, you know, I will be yeah. fighting right there beside you. You know, you got to yeah. fight that. That's the only way you can stop it. You can't just turn around and ignore it and hope that it goes away because it's not going to go away. You know, it's not going to go away at all. So I think uh, it. I was telling my kids uh, a couple days ago that there hasn't been riots. And and protesting and stuff like this since the '60s, it has not been this bad since the '60s, which is uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that all the stuff that America has tried to work for, it looks like it's it hasn't happened at all, which is which is sad to me, because I tried to explain to my kids. I said I would love to know. And if anybody on Twitter, tell me when you thought America was great in your eyes. Tell me exactly when you thought it was great. What years was it great? Okay. Great depression. Right. To me personally, to me personally, America was at its best when 9-11 happened. And America came together. And as one nation, as one nation, that to me was when America was at its best. Um, I just want to know what these people, you say, make America great again. I want to know exactly what their version of great again is. Dwayne, do you agree with, uh, do you agree with coach and, and, uh, um, do you agree with, with, with coach and slim? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately I have to, uh, <laughs> Sad as it is, uh, the fact that, like I said, nothing has changed in the last six decades. Like you, you, you put a picture up on white, and you, and, you, and it's true. The, the same dog that is attacking people and with hoes and stuff, with the police and stuff now, the same thing that the riots they, that they have in the cities, the same now. Nothing has changed. The only difference between then and now 
is we have color TVs, we have live stream. As they told you back when Public Enemy and Panthers and stuff back then was the, re- re- the revolution wouldn't be televised. It's going to be live, and it is. It's live streaming. <laughs> That's the yeah. only difference. They told you back then it wasn't going to be televised. It's going to be live, and, and it is. It's being live streamed. It's showing you right now in front of you, and again, we're still marching. We're still talking. What's the difference between then and now? That's right. Are there just as many racist people now? In the last six decades. So you think there are just as many racist people now as there were back in the 60s? The. I I had a conversation um, with my wife's cousin the other day. Uh, and And I told him, I said, here's the. Here's the one caveat that has changed. Uh, when we had uh, the last president in office, and I think that here's the one issue that a lot of people are, are seeing that's different. Uh, what he brought in was a sense of change, a sense of hope, a sense that things could be different. And when we went back to the same old good old boys club and you could do what you want to do and same politics as usual and people are like hey you know what it wasn't completely great with obama in office but it was a step in a different direction mm-hmm. and some people may argue it was the right direction or wrong direction or but it was a step in a different direction i'll say that okay yeah because again we're really gonna get into politics but we'll say a step in a different direction so when you look at it from that perspective, as a different direction, and you go back to a complete 180-degree turn, and it's the same old politics as usual, some people look at it like, hey, you know what? It wasn't that it wasn't all good, it wasn't all bad, but you know, I don't like the same old, you know, same thing that we or always had been doing. You know, people, you know, you kill people live on TV and, and again, we talk we talk about Breonna Taylor, we talk about George Floyd, we talk about you know, Tamir Rice and all this stuff like that, and nothing has changed. People are still not answering for their crimes, and it's that another. And it's like, you know what? Um, again, black, white, Chinese, Asian, it doesn't matter. People are like, you know what? Um, I'm kind of sick of this. Something has to change. This, this can't, we can't, cannot keep doing the same thing we've done for the last six, seven decades. Something has to change. So it's not just about um, racism. As an underlying tone, it's just people in in life in general have to change. The thought process has to change, as we said on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff, you've been sitting quite patiently. I'd like your thoughts <laughs> on this. Well, I, I appreciate you guys. Um, I, I certainly can't relate to things the same way that you can. Um, just listening to your stories makes me think about how, um, I've gone through an evolution in my life and I've seen other people do it in their lives as well. Um, is, is, are there more racists now? You know, I think, I think the word racist is a little bit too, um, blanket a term. I think there are huge degrees um, we all carry yeah. prejudices with us, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just it, you know it's something that is part of our human condition. I think um, that you know it, it's 
in a utopia that goes away. But, I, you know, realistically, our goal needs to just be to improve on that and become more tolerant of each other, um, despite our differences, whether they're political or racial or, or you know, any, any number of things. Um, you know, we, we mentioned last time, um, you know, there's a whole um, list, laundry list of um, groups who get marginalized in this country. Um, and I think what, what has driven that is we've, we've lost our objectivity. We've lost our willingness to empathize with other people. Um, we feel threatened by somebody else being successful. Um, our constitution was written to avoid the concentration of power in only a few hands. So the way our system is set up, it's supposed to promote compromise where, you know, you, you put people in a room and they hash things out. And that's been a messy process for 250 years, but it's always led mm -hmm. to things that, that benefited the population as a whole. So what's changed recently? Um, I think, What's changed recently is we've we've seen the extremes concentrate their power um, around certain key issues, certain hot buttons with certain groups, and that has gotten everybody to dig their heels in, so that there's no more ability to compromise. There, not only can't we communicate, coach, but we've lost the ability to listen. We, we need to be better listeners about, you know, why is this an issue for you? Um, you know, steps like we're taking tonight are, are important first steps in just understanding where people are coming from. And hopefully we can sort of set the tone for more conversation. But I tell you what, I, I've been incredibly frustrated trying to have conversations with people. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I don't go aggressively at people. I just try to understand what, you know, where their mindset is. But as soon as you, um, nail them into a, a particular position or they feel backed into a corner, um, people tend to have the same kinds of reactions and, and they all get defensive and, you know, well, you know, I, I may have done this or I may have done that, but I'm not a racist. You know, well, again, we, we have to we have to recognize the issue within our own um, selves. And, and that's the best thing that we can address. That's the only thing we can address. You know, and hopefully we have a positive influence on the people around us by our own example. I, well I think, yeah, and I think you uh, I think you bring up a great point there, Jeff, the. the racist and racism I, we know it exists but racist is a very very strong term and there, the degrees are there in in most everybody so i think tolerance is is kind of what you have to look at for goals to increase the tolerance that that people have for each other uh, because without that, you're you're treading water, which is kind of what it feels like we've been doing for the past 60 years. So I think finding ways to increase that tolerance 
for each other and is is uh you know maybe the goal not that that's any easier than anything else we've been doing uh, during that time period but uh, you know i think that should be the goal because you, you're not going to eliminate racism you're just not going to eliminate it it'll always be here and uh i think uh uh what you said earlier rod i don't think everybody is races in in uh certain degrees i think it's more bias i think more bias than anything everybody mm -hmm. has biases um yeah yeah, yeah i would think yeah. uh, bias is a is a better word but uh bias. like jeff said uh, uh you have to lead by example you know look at us here you know this is a great example you know uh uh we respect each other you know, that has to happen, too. You know, there's certain things as well, not only empathy, but you have to have respect, you know, and, and, and understanding and want to place yourself in that person's shoes. I mean, many times on Twitter, I've gotten in discussions and I've turned around and I got defensive and, and, and maybe jumped on somebody and they said, no, 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 this is not what I meant. And I go, I apologize. You got to be able to apologize, too. You know, yeah. instead of digging your heels, right. you know, I said, my bad, you know, I'm sorry that I, that I said that and things were cleared up and we just, you know, continued on our way. I think people have to be able to say, you know, okay, have to look within themselves and uh, uh, being tolerant and being able to apologize and, ex and say you want to change is, is very important as well. Yeah, I think what, Slim, yeah, what, what you guys are Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dwayne. Sorry. sorry, Dwayne, go ahead. That was Coach. Oh, oh sorry, Coach. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely have to agree with uh, Slim. And, yeah, I think you guys are actually uh, hitting, hitting, hitting on target um, with the bias thing. I, I do think that sometimes uh, people do bring up, you know, yeah, you're a racist. But I think sometimes, too, we don't ask the question, well, why do you think that? See, and I think at times, you know, let's be honest about it. We all are, you know, chasing that cheese in this thing called life in the rat race. And so we really don't take time out to think about other people. So I would say this here. If there was one value that I think most Americans share, one that we always, you know, pretty much, you know, swear by is empathy i mean we're we're a compassionate society that's 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 what americans are you go overseas you know you will see people being you know coming up because they know that we're compassionate people but somewhere along the line maybe it's been the the the, the you know how life can be cruel with folks somewhere along the line we allowed empathy to get beat out of our value system and heck, I might be wrong. I might be wrong to be, you know, blanketing most Americans as, as being empathetic. But I really think empathy is something that has been lost, you know, in our in our current society. Like, man, why would this person feel that way? And then it goes back to, you know, communication. But I do believe that we are going to eventually have to separate races from bias. Somehow, some way, we are going to have to separate those two. That's all I had to say. Yeah, I think. Uh, 
I think that uh, I think we've kind of gone from being an empathetic society to kind of to a me first society in many ways, a lot of people. And and I'll leave that where it is. I'm going to turn it. Uh, I think, Dwayne, I think you were starting to speak. Yeah, some, some of that empathy, uh, again, I, I now speak from just my personal experience. I'm, again, I'm not going to blank on anybody else. My personal experience, um, me, me being in the military, maybe it has something to do with my PTSD and stuff that I've been through. Some of that empathy, sympathy, and what have you, um, turns, as my therapy says, the therapist says, turns to anger. Most of my emotions just turn to anger. And I'll give you a, a, a prime example of what I mean. Um, a friend of mine or comrade of mine I w- was deployed with at one point, he shared a post uh, with me a couple of days ago of uh, two corrections officers uh, in this prison in Wisconsin. Um, bear with me a moment because it, it still bugs me, bothers me to my core. Yeah. Like most of them went from empathy to anger in seconds. Uh-huh. Um, they boiled this man to death. Okay, they literally put him in a shower with, with the water so hot the 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 water boiled the, the skin off of him until he until he died. So empathy as a human, how could you do that to somebody? And then again, it went to anger. So being empathy as, as a person over, over time, again, it, it turns to anger, constantly seeing it, you know, how as people, how could we be that hard, heartless and hardcore to another person? Another human. Again, we we have PETA and all the other stuff like that for animals and stuff like that, but we treat each other worse than that as people. You're right, Dwayne. It, it's amazing and it's sad. Um, now I said, just I can't. I'm not gonna blank it against anybody and everybody. I said, just for me, my personal stuff that I, I've seen and I've been through, and this is that I, I advocate against domestic violence and, and homelessness and stuff like that. And stuff that I've seen and I've been through and stuff like that. What's it? The empathy as people for me, it goes from empathy to anger. That's why I, I lose my empathy at times. Because you constantly see so much of you want to be sad and you want to be helpful to people, but sometimes that empathy, you lose it because you can't, you can because you get tired of always trying to help, trying to help. And there's so much negativity in the world. It's hard to be sad all the time. That weighs on you too much. For sure. Yeah, I can understand that. Jeff, did you have something hey, to Dwayne, add? I got something to make you sad. I got something to make you sad, Dwayne. I just got uh, new orders to go to staff. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. I think Dwayne knows what I'm talking about when I say I'm going to staff now. Jeez. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know paperwork. what that means, Coach. Yeah, paperwork and misfortunes and coffee all day. 
Yeah. I, just, I was just wanted to get some smiles from folks. So I'm basically shining the seat with my ass. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> what I do all day. Wow. <laughs> Jeff, did you have something? Well, I, yeah, I just it's it's easy to get bogged down in the extremes. Um, horrible things happen every day. Um, when we start to normalize those things at the expense of seeing progress, um, that that is what plays into the divisiveness. Um, and I'm not a big blamer of the media. I think the media just reflects what we expect to see. Um, you know, they're driven by profitability requirements, just like everybody else. Um, you know, they've got to play to their audience, no different than movies or books or, or anything else that's, you know, um, paid for creativity. Uh, news is not just about reporting what's happened. It's, it's about filling a need with your audience. Um, but I, I did want to throw in something that, that I view as um, progress. Okay. Um, so not too long ago, we had some friends over and um, this friend of ours, we we're, were having just sort of a general conversation. And she said, you know, I felt so bad the other day. She said, I heard that Chadwick Bozeman had passed away. She said, the first thing I thought of was, oh, it must have been drugs. She said, and then she said, I found out that it was cancer. And she said, I felt so horrible that I just jumped to the conclusion based on who he was that he would have had that cause of death. So for me, that's that's a aha moment for someone who I'm I'm not gonna say is completely without prejudice, but is not um, is not exempt from a lot of media influence in terms of how to think and how to reach conclusions. Um, for her to come to that conclusion on her own and, and, and have that sort of remorse is what we need to be finding in people. That's a teaching moment, right, Coach? I mean, that's that's when you can build on something and say, okay, Absolutely. now, what mm -hmm. other points in your life are you making those same sorts of assumptions and how can you improve on that going forward? That's right. So, guys, I started this off by saying, you know, what had what's changed since George Floyd? OK, I, I tried to do some research to find it, 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 it's it's very interesting that when we did this, the first podcast. After the death of George Floyd, there were a lot of articles uh, detailing a timeline of of all the deaths by police officers 
uh, you know, to African-Americans, um, what had happened. Uh, I, I tried to find something similar for what's happened since George Floyd. I couldn't find anything. Okay, and really nothing between George Floyd and Jacob Blake. I couldn't find anything like that out there. So um, it, I, I was kind of at a little bit of a loss. Like, well, you know, I, I kind of wanted to 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 acknowledge everything that's happened in between um, and reflect on on some of these things. But what I did find was an article by um, CBS News. So take the statistics for what they're worth, okay? We know that statistics are only worth the person that put them together. So, um, but this is what I found. Um, from January 1st through May 25th, when George Floyd um, was murdered, um, African-Americans were three times as likely to be killed by cops as whites. From May 26th through August 31st, they were 3.3 times as likely to be killed by cops as, as, as white people. So that percentage has actually gone up since then. And I know there are all kinds of stats behind it and everything, but um, it's certainly not progress. So it's it's not helping. Um, nothing's gotten nothing's gotten better there as far as statistics. And I don't want to reduce George Floyd or Jacob Blake to a statistic, but I was trying to look for something to to see what had happened since George Floyd, you know, between George Floyd and Jacob Blake, uh, you know, to to try to get a feel for, you, you know, it, if things are better or worse or, or what as far as what's being reported. And you know what? Nothing's really being reported other than individual instances. Nobody's tracking this anymore, it doesn't seem like. So... I want you guys to hold on to that piece of information. And then I'm also going to add in a poll that Jeff put out. Um, I'm not sure what when was this, Jeff? Um, it's been it's it's been a week or so ago, a week or two ago. Yes, it was uh, the 28th. 28th of August. Um, I don't know if you have this in front of you, Jeff, but I do. I so do. I'll, yeah, I I'll do. just. Um, well, why don't you go ahead with it then? I'll let you. I'll let you read it. Your poll. Okay. Um, I put this out, guys, because um, I do like statistics. I do like um, quantifying things and sort of analyzing things. Um, this is less than scientific. Um, certainly within my realm on Twitter, um, you know, I've I've muted an awful lot of the extremes. Um, so, um, the, the, the pool of people answering this poll may be slanted to a certain direction. So let's just put that out to be fair. Okay. Um, but the poll is, um, if it would guarantee universal equality among all humans, 
how much additional tax would you be willing to pay? And I gave four options, 10% or more, five to 10%, 5% max, or the last one was I'm out. So within each of those categories, I think there are some things to discuss and, and take into consideration. First of all, on the I'm outside, there are certainly going to be people who say, you know what, I'm spending more than I have coming in. I can't afford to pay another dime, no matter how worthwhile the cause may be. So we have to take that into consideration. Um, there are going to be people with many different views about how effective or ineffective government intervention is. Uh, and I had conversations with um, somebody about that as well. Um, but my takeaway from this is that, and, and just to kind of summarize, um, ten, the 10% or more column, 39% of the people chose. 14% of the people chose the 5 to 10%, and 18% chose the 5% 5 max. So 71% of the people who responded to this poll said that if we could guarantee universal equality, whatever that means to, to, to that person, that, and that question was raised as well, okay? But if we could guarantee universal equality, 71% of the respondents to this poll said they would be willing to pony up and pay for it, okay? Which to me was pretty inspiring. Um, yeah. When you monetize things for people and you, you expect them to pay for something, it means that they see a value in it. So I, I'd be interested to hear what each of you guys think about that. Uh, I think it's uh, actually great. Uh, I was expecting a, a lesser number. Um, how many people did you, uh, what was the percentage of people that said, I'm out of here? Well, it was 29%, Slim. And, and, and to be fair, again, this was only 51 people that voted. Okay, so out of my pool of people, 51 people voted, um, and it's, it's really hard to draw a lot from that because, again, uh, you know, I probably interact with only a small cross-section of people and who well, may Jeff, share some common values. Next time you just ask Slim and I to retweet it and you'll get a lot more votes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, I'm still learning the I'm still learning the inner workings of Twitter. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, when you were talking about the get out and you were explaining, you know, uh what you thought, I just wonder how many people were actually like you know, I don't want to do anything for anybody, you know, forget them. I'm happy where I'm at and that's that, you know, and, and, I'm, you know, that's really uh, interesting uh, that, you know, that 29%, I just wonder, you know, what the people's thoughts were, you know, on that decision. I can see with, you know, you know, with money and stuff like that, but I just wonder how many people were, actually had some type of bias or well even, yeah I'm, I, I'm, I'm absolutely racist. sure that if right if I asked this question in a different group of people that I would get probably you know 180 degree different result right 
I don't doubt, doubt that for a minute. Right. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's a group of people that are going to say, yeah, there there's no way in hell I'm I'm paying money to help other people. You know, people in these other groups, whether it's other races or whether it's other sexual orientations. Um, yeah, there there's people that there's no way that they want equality for, you know, for other uh, for other people. Because so, yeah, view, I'm sure that because they view that as 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 costing them something, right? Right. So the only reason that in, in my mind, the only reason that you would, unless you have some sort of religious belief system in place that that prevents you from acknowledging certain groups. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason that that people would be against equality, because it's it's a basic tenet of our constitution. Okay, um, yeah. the only reason that that people in America would be against equality is because they view it as costing them something. Okay, so you know I'll go back to my friend real quick and, and another spot in the conversation. Okay, we were talking about Black Lives Matter. Okay, um, well. The message that that she has received is they want special treatment. Whoever they is, okay, want special treatment. They want to be they want to be elevated above me. They want and this you know affirmative action ties into this and, and all these different perceptions, right? Um, but when they see the sign, the first thing they think is. They want special treatment, okay? which is nothing could be farther from the truth, but that's the message that's been hammered home. OK, well, because if if they if they get the special treatment, I'm giving up something. Right. It's like the so saying, that's why we monetize this. Right. It's like the saying, you know, the equality to some may be oppression to other people. You Correct. Know? <laughs> you know, that it might have been different. It might have been different if you would have, you know, been more specific because, you know, there's people out there that don't believe that, you know, communities like the LGBTQT should be equal. And then you have other folks that may not believe that women should be paid like a man or paid as much as a man. So I think if you would have been probably more specific with it, you would have probably got some more interesting, you know, answers to that. Yeah. If, if I said, yeah. if I said, would you pony up money to train law enforcement to not profile? How much would you be willing to pay for that? As an example, is that yeah, what you're absolutely. driving at, Dwayne? That's coach. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, no, I'm always sure who I was talking to. It's all good. I sound good on the phone. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you, you sound do. good. You got a nice, nice uh, radio voice, coach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so if you would if you would be like it, just like you just that example you just gave, um, you know, and that stems back down to bias biases, you know. Right. Uh, so if you would you know put out there, hey, um, would you support folks that wore left shoe only? <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Find something wrong. You know what I mean? So yeah. So so equality. That statement was just a broad thing because equality can mean so many different things. Exactly. To, you know, different people. So. So I was well, I was purposefully vague on that yeah, question absolutely. just to sort of measure what people felt was important to them. I would love well, to see your 
next one you put out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, now we'll retweet it. <laughs> right, there you go. We'll get a lot of votes. Here, here's another factor, too, Jeff. There could be some people that, that read that and said, you know what, the Constitution already calls for this. Why am I going to pay extra for it? Well, there certainly is a segment of the population that, that believes that. that yeah, that believes even though it's that, not that true, racism, I, and I understand. That racism is a thing of the past, that we've addressed yeah. <laughs> it, and it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and trust me, I, I hear that every day. Wow, you okay, do? guys. I mean, you, you hear certain things. That, I hear this every day, okay, wow. that, that, you know, that, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is no longer an issue. I had this conversation with a law enforcement officer on Twitter a week or so ago. And he said, there is no such thing as police brutality. I think he I said saw it's, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, it is, yeah. it, is all, it is all a, a big con job, and, and, you know, it just doesn't happen. And, you know, everybody has the same opportunity in this country. Um, and, you know, all you have to do is take advantage of it, and, you know, you can be successful. And, and then he closed by saying that if I didn't, like the you know this country, I could move somewhere else, but uh, so I you know, <laughs> move to Europe. You want to move to Europe, right? Right, right. So yeah, um, he's a jump. But yeah, it, it's 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 pervasive. The that belief is pervasive in the white community, particularly in the rural, blue collar, white community. And that's where you see all of the uh, Trump flags, the, the rebel flags, which in my mind mean the same thing. Um, they, all, they all feel the same way. That's crazy. That's crazy. My mouth would have been on the floor when he, if he said that. So, so tell that's me what we that. have to overcome. That's what we have to overcome. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You get, I, I've, I've seen a video and I've seen a few signs, guys. And tell me honestly how you feel about these signs and things that say all lives matter at this point. Is it offensive? Is it, is it just a Trump thing? Or what does it say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a crack at this one real quick. I got to take a crack at this one. Okay. All right, so let's, let's break let's, let's break let's break stuff down. I, I really got to get this off my my head. Okay, so for some of the you know our folks on Twitter and all this stuff, BLM. I'm gonna give you some advice. If you can go to a a, a guy that's on the street corner and buy a T-shirt that says BLM BLM two for the ten, that should tell you everything you need to know. Because for one, there is no national president at BLM. It's not an organized thing like a union. It's not the NAACP. It's none of that stuff. It did start off uh, with great intentions, but then other people got involved and made a mockery of what the original uh, reason for why it came into existence. So the thing that I want people to know is, why did a BLM have to be created in the first place? Um, you know, why did a NAACP have to be created in the first place? You know, that, that, that's the, the question. Now, when you see people with these all lives matter, uh, yeah, all lives matter. Okay. That, that really shaking out well, especially with COVID. 
<laughs> all lives matter. Um, so I think when they say that, when people say that, they're trying to get away from having to answer in the difficult question of, well, why would they walk, you know, a kid walk around with a BLM shirt on? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why would a kid get up, uh, you know, and, and protest? Now, granted, you know, the media is showing all this craziness with folks uh, throwing rocks and stuff. But just like the stat I saw the other day, they said 93% of the time it's a peaceful protest. It's just so ha- somehow getting hijacked. But from my perspective, it appears that, you know, that's just a way to deflect from the real issue. And then if we were to break it down even more in historical terms, you know, race is the easiest thing to talk about is, you know, get our minds off the real war. And that is uh, trying to keep money in our pockets. Um, so we can go into class warfare later. <laughs> but, hmm. but uh, yeah, that, that's just my, my outlook on it. But, yeah, all lives matter just so, to get our attention off the real, the real prize. Let, let me right, just throw that. this out there real quick, Coach. Um, Go for it. Somebody, somebody just told me the other day that um, Black Lives Matter is now a billion-dollar corporation. Somebody said that to me. Yeah, now, Black Lives Matter is a billion-dollar corporation now. I've had people that's, tell that's me it's a Marxist Marxist. Uh, whatever a company or corporation or, or whatever oh yeah it's oh, yeah. oh yeah i'm in right, arguments right. right now on facebook uh i work for american <laughs> I, work, I work for american airlines and american airlines is allowing flight attendants to wear black lives matter pins mm-hmm. okay and oh my god oh my god there right now there's a protest with some of the uh flight attendants that want to, uh, you know, American came out and said, hey, it's, it's, it's not an organization. It's a, it's a movement and we support the movement, you know, because Black Lives, they explain why they're allowing it. Um, we're also, you know, we could wear um, uh, cancer ribbons, you know, pins like that. We can also wear uh, uh, American flag. We can wear the cross if you're religious. Uh, when they have Pride Month, uh, uh, they wear the uh, some flight attendants wear the Pride flag. So it's not like uh, this is the first thing that American is allowed. It's just a lot of people think that it's a political statement. So now yeah. a lot of now a lot of flight attendants are going and saying, "Well, I'm going to wear my Trump pin. I'm going to wear my." Uh, 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 Blue Lives Matter pin. I'm going to wear, one person said, I'm going to wear my Second Amendment pin, you know, and we're just like, oh my God, you're totally missing the whole point of why they're doing this. And um, I had one flight attendant uh, post that uh, he had his Black Lives Matter pin on and uh, somebody was taking pictures of him on the plane while he was doing his service. And and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to take pictures of crew members doing their duties. But he was trying to get a picture of this flight attendant with the Black Lives Matter pin on. And they mm-hmm. stopped him after the flight. They stopped this person after the flight and made him get rid of all the pictures off the phone. You know, uh, uh, it's actually a violation to do that. 
And so right now there's a lot of controversy uh, with American allowing it. Also, Delta has been doing it for a while. They have allowed the Black Lives Matter pin. Um, and then I think I've heard Southwest also has allowed it. But, you know, of course, people are boycotting American Airlines and these other airlines that are doing that. So, um, but to me, uh, all lives matter. It's kind of, it's kind of an uh, insult because it's a backlash to Black Lives Matter. And like mm-hmm. a lot of people say, you know, of course, the people that say Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. All lives matter to me. All lives matter to me. But right now, there's an issue with Black Lives and that needs to be taken care of. And and there's people that just don't, either they don't want to understand it or or they just don't get it. So uh, when I hear people say that, it's, it's, it's kind of an insult. It's almost like a, uh, that's their retort to uh, us having the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, movement or saying Black Lives Matter. But it's, it's, we're not saying only Black Lives Matter. You know, it's not like we're saying we're trying to be above. We're just like, we're asking for your help. You know, America, we're asking for your help. Why is it a worldwide movement? You know, if it was just this little Marxist uh, 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 group or company or billion dollar business, I don't think the whole world would be pretty much marching to the same thing. You know, it's something yeah, that happened. It's something that happens in other countries as well, too. It doesn't just happen in America. It does happen in some other countries. So it, it, it's not uh, what these people or some people say that it is. You know, so I find it insulting when somebody comes with an all lives matter. Yeah, I, I see the all lives matter sign. And I think of when when I used to work in the office, which I don't anymore, and I, and I see somebody and, 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 and they say, they say, how are you? And I, I say, I'm, I'm good. How are you? And they come back and they say, I am well. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you guys say that. If so, uh, no offense, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> um, and I know that's a totally different take on it, but that's kind of like, uh, you know, that's kind of like somebody like trying to correct it and just change the direction of it. And, and it's like, oh no, you're not looking at this right um, I'm going to correct you, and 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 this is how you should be looking at it. So yeah, um, Dwayne, did you have anything to that you want to jump in on there? No, I'm I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> okay, I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah. Good. No, I, I just I just gotta know something. I'm sorry, but so they're saying that BLM is communist. Marxist, right? I've heard Marxist, yeah, yeah. And then it's a billion dollar uh, entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I, I think we yeah. can go ahead and uh, get into the conspiracy thing. So, the pins <laughs> that Slim was talking about. That's why I left alone, um, Coach. That's why I left alone. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. I'm just. I mean, I might as well have a little fun with it. Uh, yeah. So the pens, we can say that it's communist because the pens were probably made in China, then shipped here, and then distributed underground, right before a rally. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I'm with that. Okay. 
That's why I left it alone. So you just had to. <laughs> Good move, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, the NFL is actually starting tonight, and I know I know you guys are all aware of that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about sports and what has happened in some of the other leagues. Um, you know, the NBA, WNBA, uh, Major League Baseball. A lot of them have have uh, have uh, had you know games canceled, strikes, uh, you know, and, and and this and that. Um, I didn't catch the beginning of tonight's game, so I, I understand there was going to be a a, uh, a dual protest with the two teams, and then you know, um, I guess we probably would have helped if I would have seen it. But <laughs> anyways, uh, what? What um, what do you guys expect through the NFL season? Um, you know what what do you think of what the other leagues have done so far, and and how do you guys look at the the players, owners, and and, and everybody else that's involved in major sports franchises as as leaders and what they can do to help to better things as far as. Uh, Racism, tolerance, and bias in this country. I'm going to start with you. Um, um, let's go to Dwayne on this one. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you all right now, the Browns going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to put that out there. Okay? Okay. Uh, but no, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, So we'll start with the the, the NBA. That uh, they started trying to protest. Uh, yeah, that that was short lived. Uh, you know, they, they they came back in in the bubble, and you've seen them. And they were wearing their their statements on the back of their jerseys and their shoes and stuff. Um, and then when it came down to the, the final couple scenes, whatever. It was like, no, we're not gonna play at all. They, I think they didn't play like one, maybe two games, yeah. and they was like, yeah, no, okay, we gotta play again. So yeah, that was like really short lived. Um, yeah. Them protesting uh, again. Yeah. This is bigger than uh, sports. This is bigger than uh, one or two games. This than other. To, to really affect change in the, the platforms that they have. They going, they're going to have to really take a stand if they really want to affect change. Um, you, Jeff, you, you started a very interesting topic and a potential controversial uh, poll, um, and it was it's kind of good that you, you left it at uh, a blanket statement. Uh, but what you did was you, you asked for people to take ownership. And that's the reason why you had such a diverse uh, polling. Uh-huh. When that's people exactly take right. ownership of, of stuff, um, you, you, take, I mean, you take pride in what you do. It's, it's the same thing. As, it's the difference between buying a house and renting a house. When you, take, when you buy a house and, and you, you, you take more care of you know, the, the the neighborhood 
you take more care of you know who who's around. You take it the you make sure that you know your yard is cleaned up. There's the trash around the area is you know is picked up. You you care about in the people in the neighborhood who's moving in who's you know around there. When you when you run, you like yeah. I don't really, you you barely speak to your neighbors half the time. Okay, uh, it's the same thing when, when it comes to the sports and stuff like that. And then we're, this is what twenty twenty. Colin Kaepernick has been out since what last four years, five years. You know, a long still, time. Yeah. You know, still you know fighting. You know, uh, still trying to speak his voice. It started with him kneeling. Then a couple of other players, and then like I said, still trying trying to affect change. But again, like I said, we, like we started earlier, what's really changed? You know, he's been he's been blackballed, outballed. Now, he, now you don't even see him on even when he got the deal with the the new deal with Nike. You don't you don't even see those commercials anymore. It's going to take a lot of people to use their platform to make change. To make real effective change, is you need people to have these conversations like we're having now. You need people to take ownership of, hey, no, I'm not going to keep standing for this. That's what that's part of the reason why people are having these riots in these different cities. People are having these these sit-ins and stand-ins and stuff like they had back in the '60s. Again, like you said, what's changed in the last 60 years? We're doing the same thing over again. Re- history repeats itself because we haven't learned anything. That's right. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but well, what are your thoughts, Slim, about uh, about sports and and what what the athletes, what the teams, what the owners, what what they mm-hmm. can do, and, and what they've done so far? Um, I, uh, the NBA, uh, their uh, protest wasn't supposed to be like this long protest. It was just supposed to be a short, brief protest to bring some attention and uh you know i've been watching the nba so uh i've been watching the playoffs and and things like that and seeing what the athletes are saying and uh they are using the platform um i heard that lebron james uh or a lot of the nba uh uh teams their arenas are going to be used for uh centers for voting so uh, you know, from that short protest that has happened, uh, I think Mo- the Milwaukee uh, Bucks team turned around and went and spoke to uh, uh, the mayor and, and other uh, dignitaries uh, out there in uh, Wisconsin. And so, you know, that has started. The thing is, is that you have to keep it going. You can't let it fade away. Uh with the NFL, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it, you know, it's all good and dandy to show unity and, and, you know, to take the knee and stuff. But I think that, for me personally, that time is gone. You know, now it's time to turn around and do things. If you want change, you're going to have to get up, get out there, vote, um, uh, uh, register people to vote. So I'm real interested to see within these next two months how these uh, pro sports teams, you know, uh, try to continue this. Uh, uh, hopefully, you know, with their 
platform and hopefully they have uh, enough people that want to be activists to have, you know, some significant change. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of sitting back and, and watching uh, to see what happens. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty decent first step, but I think there's more that has to be done with it. Uh, you just, you know, sitting and talking uh, uh, is fine and dandy to a certain point, but you have to turn around and take action. You know, uh, can't mm-hmm. let what's what's happened right now in America. Uh, I think more people have recognized that there's a problem. I think more white people have recognized, you know, that there is something wrong going on right now. So you have to take that and 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 go with it and make sure that you get a result from all this happening. Otherwise, it's just a it's a moot point, and we're just kind of back to square one again. That's right. Yeah, is is uh, is more white people recognizing the problem with what's happening? Is that the momentum that's needed to actually get something done in this country? Yeah, uh, you know, it's great that it's being recognized. Now I try to tell my white friends that you need to talk to family. You need to talk to your friends about it. Bring it up. Even though it's an uncomfortable subject, you have to bring it up. You mm-hmm. have to talk about it for it to, to, to be out there, you know, because I've seen personally on Twitter, you know, uh, every once in a while, you know, I'll have my discussions and stuff like that or post things and say what I feel and what I think about it. And I've actually had people send me messages saying, I had one person turn around and go, please don't delete me, whatever you do. I don't have the same views as you, but I respect you and others on here. And I want to I want to hear more and I want to see more. So please don't delete me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm learning new things. And to me, that was the ultimate, the ultimate compliment that you could give. You know, yeah. uh, if one person right. can just change one person's mind or get one person just to listen and hear the stories and stuff, then I think you'll see more significant change. So that kind of motivates me uh, 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 on Twitter. I mean, I don't post a lot of political stuff, but, you know, if something catches my eye, I will put something up there. But uh, 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 it was a great thing to see that person. And I kind of laughed. I said, you know what? I'll never turn around and delete you unless it's something to the extreme. You know, you're talking about extreme racism or anything like that. I'd like to have these conversations. You know, uh, I right. like for people to know. I like for people to know. I believe that it's my, my. I'm not going to say job, but I think I should tell tell what my experiences are so that people can know and people can learn and not be afraid to ask me questions. You know, uh, I commend that person for being brave enough to turn around and say that to me, you know, which tells me that he is sitting back and he's thinking and 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 it may be something, you know, changed his mind a little bit. And that's what we all need. That's what we all need to do. You know, that's what we all need to do. That's right. So, Jeff, 
Sloan brought up a good point about the about the kneeling and that he thinks that time has passed. You know what? I think he's right. I think, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the kneeling. Oh, I, I, I've had people tell me on Twitter, you know, come right back to me. You know what? I'm not watching it. If these guys are all going to kneel, I, I, I don't I'm not going to deal with that disrespect. OK, they still don't understand. OK, they, they need to they need to learn more. But the question is, and I think the fact is, the kneeling is not going to be enough, okay? These teams are all going to kneel. Everybody's going to kneel this week. I I don't know how many players are not going to kneel in the entire league. It's not going to be many. Um, I I don't know how many people are even going to notice the kneeling in a few weeks. So... Well, what? it becomes a situation where you're preaching to the choir, Rod. I mean, you know, um, I've had conversations with people about the NBA and the, the people who need to hear the message the most have tuned out. They're just not watching. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Slim's on the, on the right track that um, at some point a protest has to shift gears or it becomes part of the wallpaper. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 hopefully we've, we've gotten past that question of, you know, what does kneeling really mean? Uh, but for a lot of people, they're still going to hold on to their, their opinions of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Slim is absolutely right that we need to be talking about ways to take action. Um, owners need to be taking action. Um, using arenas for voting places is a, a big deal. You can't understate what a big deal that is. That you know we're we're affecting change by by enfranchising the disenfranchised, um, giving people the opportunity to vote. Um, you know, each of us can do little things. Um, you know, I I volunteered to be a poll worker. Okay, um, I don't know whether I'll get the call or not, but you know if they ask me. I'll be sitting there making sure that, you know, things are above board and everybody gets their fair chance. Um, we have to, we have to take ownership like Dwayne said, and, and each of us has to do what's within our own power to make things better on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, doing the same thing repetitiously, I, I think it, it tends to lose steam after a while. And you have to be coming up with newer, more creative strategies. Yeah. So what what do you see the pro athletes and the owners? I mean, these owners are billionaires. These owners have a lot of influence in the country (laughs) if they want to. What can they really do? What can they do to help this cause? Is that for me, Rod? That, that's for you. Yeah, let's stick with you for another okay. minute, and then I'm going to go over. Then okay. we'll go over to Coach and get his thoughts on all this. Okay. I mean, from a financial perspective, these guys have every incentive to be on board. Um, they're going to be the most profitable as a result of of um, doing the right things for their employees and their customers. So. If, Purely from a business standpoint, it makes sense that these owners um, 
get their head in the game and come up with ways to affect change. Um, I, I, I'm sure there are guys that, you know, this is completely counter to their belief structure, but from a financial standpoint, if it makes sense to them, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coach, I, I'm, I'm dying to hear your thoughts on the, the sports angle of this. Uh, so, so let's, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, the sports angle, um, you know what I, I actually sometimes, well, I feel bad for the guys because one minute you have folks telling them they need to use their platform and then you had a next minute, they need to shut up and stick the bounce of a basketball. <laughs> That's true. So, I yeah. mean, it, you know, it, it's almost right. like you damned if you do and you damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely enjoy seeing, you know, these young guys out here, uh, you know, trying to, to, to better the world the best way they can. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, to be honest about it, you know, yeah, the owners need to do a little bit more. Now, I did notice how, uh, you know, they're, they're allowing the arenas to be used for uh, voting. But, you know, that, that's good and dandy and stuff, but let's, let's put that money where your mouth is. Let's see, see you go in with some of the money that you've made and, and better some of these communities. Um, you know, we all know that, yeah. you know, let's be honest, our, you know, the cities that we are in, uh, the first people to always get, you know, slapped across the face are public servants. So police officers, school teachers, um, you know, devote some of that money that you get from uh, selling out, you know, the arena to some of the public works that's going on in the city. Um, you know, throw some money back at a school that may need a little bit of additional uh, resources and then find candidates that's in the political class to actually give a damn. You know, my uncle, who was a professor at Howard University, um, he used to tell me all the time, he said, voting is great and you always need to vote, but donations is what make things go. And I didn't realize that until I started seeing how certain officials are getting $200,000 checks. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's the nature of our political system. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the owners need to stop straddling the fence and they need to Go with the side that is right when it comes down to, you know, justices that are being trampled on. I mean, I know you don't want to alienate your fan base, but I would rather have somebody that comes out and tell me what they're all about than to have a guy that's just sitting there and not saying a word about what's going on. You know, that's why I got a bone with Jerry Jones, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. So, guys... We've been talking about leaders in the in the sports world. I want you to think about who the leaders are in our country who could effect change. We have political leaders or people in charge, and you know there there are business leaders. There are uh, a lot of other leaders in this country. Um, what do these various leaders, um, um, what responsibilities do they have, and who are the leaders that should be creating the change that we're looking for? 
Uh, we'll start with we'll start with Slim. Good question. Um, I, you know, it, it's it's difficult to to say um, who should be turning around and leading the charge. I think communities. It's going to be have to be somebody from me personally. It's going to be have to be somebody that's from the grassroots level. Um, I, I just kind of think right now. In, and, and that's what I was going to ask. Slim. Do you think it's, do you, do you see it more as a grassroots thing? Kind of like, kind of like what we're doing now and that the people are just going to need to pick this up. Do you think yeah. that's more likely yeah. than, than hey, having 10, 10 leaders kind of kick it in? Go ahead. Hey, can Jeff. I just, can I just throw out two names real quick? Okay. Yeah. Um, Doc Rivers and Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah. Yeah. They gave amazing. They gave amazing. Oh, man. I was in tears, you know, with both of them, you know, um, because Doc Rivers actually had uh, something uh, really bad happened to him. Uh, I can't remember the exact story, but there's a background with uh, Doc Rivers, with his family, and uh, being forced to, to leave and, and uh, things like that. It's going to have to be somebody, I'm not going to say least expect, but it's got to be somebody from that has like serious community grassroots ties. Like you said, like a Kirk or a, you know, possibly a Kirk Herb Street. But a lot of people, I saw a lot of arguments uh, after he did his uh, uh, thing on the college game day where he broke down and cried, a lot of people said he was faking it because he came from a neighborhood that that didn't have any white people. He came from a pretty nice neighborhood, and a lot of people thought they were, that those were crocodile tears. You know, the neighborhood that Rod lives in, by the way. Yeah, he came from the town that I live in now. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and they, you know, people were saying, yeah, he's crying crocodile tears, but he showed true emotion. And and I think that was great because he worked he was played sports with African American young men at the time that came from uh uh not so good neighborhoods and poor families and stuff. So he has that experience. You need somebody that has come through those hard times, things like that. You know, you know, for example, like a coach, you know, like a Dwayne, you know, that that is there in the community. I just think that there's too there's too much going on uh, right now in the government and, and there's other underlying factors and to get somebody to lead the charge has to be somebody to me from the communities that are deep in the communities that exactly knows what's, what's going on. Um, and, and is, is, is willing to give blood, sweat and tears to, to try to see change because it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. It's a slow process. Um, and 
Uh, like we discussed earlier, you know, you want to say that you've seen change over these last, you know, 55, 60 years, but it's hard to tell right now. It's really hard to tell. And, and so uh, we need somebody that is going to bring everybody together, that's going to have the, the, the great ideas, and are going to have to have the backing of maybe, you know, some NBA and, and pro football. If they really want to see this change, they need to back somebody like that. Yeah, Coach, let's get your thoughts on this. What was the question? I'm sorry, I was uh, on the phone with my company commander for a second. That's okay. And the uh, the question was, who who are the we? Well, we talked about the the sports leaders. Who are the leaders in this country? Whether it's business leaders, political leaders, or is it a or would it be a grassroots movement? That could that could affect the change that we're looking for. Hmm. I think I think we have become so cynical until we don't know or recognize what a a real leader looks like anymore. Um. I think Slim said some earlier. Either I think it was Slim who said that uh you know the only times that Americans get together at the time of war. Yeah, that's uh, 9-11. And then when Whitney Houston, everybody remember Whitney Houston singing. So what would that person look like in 2020? What would that person be like? I I really couldn't I know, tell it's hard. you because I think, yeah, it's hard. I think we would literally, we would literally watch whomever that person is get dragged through the mud. I'm... I mean, I I really have no idea. I could you imagine a Martin Luther King today? Um, would he be able to outshine Fox News? You know, not, I don't mean to put Fox out there, but like I I really wow. I have no idea. Like yeah, that's really, what I was that's thinking. A, I mean, somebody could <laughs> speak as eloquently as him. Uh, you know, what would happen today? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's really a tough question. Now, even I have to admit that I normally gotta, you know, you give me a problem, I come up with two solutions. <laughs> well, um, this is not an easy question. Easy problem. It's a good question. This is a great question. I mean, I yeah, just don't see. I mean, I don't see anybody right now that I can turn around and say, "Man, this person would be excellent for it." You know, there's just yeah, I, I really. I'm, I mean, that might be a great question for, a, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't know. We don't have a Martin Luther King. We don't have anybody that looks similar in that. We don't. I mean, no. we could, but I mean, we'll, we'll probably be so cynical and just looking at all the stuff that guy's done and then find about 2,000 things is wrong with him or her. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I think it will be a, a, a grassroots dude. Hmm? I, I won't take a second to question. Go ahead, Dwayne. I, I got an answer for you. So the, the answer to the question is, is two people. And here's my two people. Me 
and Shaq. My big brother Shaq. The big diesel. Okay. And here's why. Okay. Uh, it, it's going to take a person, I always start with myself. So, somebody somebody who has, uh, one, like I said, I would listen to like Michael Jackson, you start with the man in the mirror. We have these conversations like this, but we sit down and we figure out who, who people who are like us. Boots on the ground, have, start these conversations with people who are in the in the trenches, in the thick of things, who are having the day-to-day conversation with average, normal, everyday people. Not somebody in Washington, not somebody who making a whole bunch of money, who feel like they're better than everybody else, who think they know everything and don't, who have lost touch with it, with the normal, everyday person. Like I said, that, that grassroots and normal, everyday person who can really affect change, because it starts with a normal person having a regular conversation. So, like, so the first person I'm going to start with is somebody like myself uh-huh. or, or Rod or Slim or Coach or Jeff. You know Some, somebody who is you know, saying, who can have a regular conversation with people to regular affect change. Because it starts with conversations like we're having now. These conversations spark other conversations and other conversations spark other conversations and so on and so forth. And these conversations affect change. Because these we put things in place, we put actions in place, actions become, you know, these, we put business plans and stuff like that and ideas, and they, these things put, become laws, let's say this, this is how we affect change. We start off with these conversations. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, Dwayne, Dwayne, when you said me, I thought you were going to say, and you. That's what uh, I thought. You know, me and you. <laughs> But when you said Shaq, I thought, well, man, Shaq's better than like all of us put together. So that's that's pretty great. So yeah. then I, again, the reason why I said somebody like Shaq, um, Shaq, who has uh, he has the audience, right? Hmm. He has the audience. He has the audience. He has the influence. He has. He's on both sides of of the fence. Where he's uh, he has it. The influence. Uh, he at one point he was a, a sheriff. I don't know if he still is licensed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he still he, is down in Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. So again, he on, on one side he's a law enforcement, and on the other side he you know he's, he's been pulled over. So he understands both sides of you know what that feels like. Yeah. So he he and again he came up from having nothing to he's you know a multimillionaire. So he understands again every facet of what we're talking about, how to affect change. He's made all the changes. Right. Damn, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you're right. That's the kind of voice that that the black community needs. But not just the black community. Same thing with LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Again, right. one of those people. As much as you try to find fault in him. Somebody posted the other day, no matter what you do to try to find fault in him, grew up without a father, and he, he didn't have this, and he didn't have that. To this day, he doesn't have a bunch of kids outside his marriage. He married his, his, his high school sweetheart. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a bunch of scandals. He, he, he graduated from high school. He didn't go to college, but he, he, he did this, he did that, he did this. He did. Everything he's done since, since he 
You, since you found out about him, has been positive. There's nothing you can do to find out about him has been wrong. Well, LeBron and with his foundation has really, he's he's put his money where his mouth is. And, and that's like, my I think, point. Yeah, Slim yes. brought or somebody brought up earlier. Yeah, that you know, put your money where your mouth is and, and get out into the community and, and do work, uh, like Coach said. Um, you know, with his Promise Keepers organization and, and getting kids to go to school and so forth. He, he, I think he does more quiet work um, than, you know, he really doesn't want to be public about his work in the communities right. as much because um, he's still so playing. The, he's the face of the company, but his wife is really right. doing, run, running the organization. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, again, but it takes, it takes those people to the Again, who's been from, let's say, where we started from, being those grassroots people to get to that point where they are. So, it, it, yes, it, it, would be, it would be great if we had, you know, a, a ton of Jay-Z's and Beyonce's and LeBron's and, and Shaq, you know, all on the same page. But it also takes people like us on this conversation right here to get to that point. Right. Yeah. Because it's going to take both ends of the spectrum to make it work. Like I said, we don't have uh, a Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or, or Gandhi because the stuff that history has taught us is that uh, once people get that much influence or that much um, power or that much... Uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? That uh, that ability to to affect that much change. Seriously, they yeah. end up uh, no longer with us. Here's a here's a crazy thought. What if Shaq and Peyton Manning quit doing company uh, insurance company commercials and got together and started doing public service messages and actually mm-hmm. started talking to people about how to address their own issues with prejudice <laughs> yeah two very well respected guys yeah mm-hmm. and that that would that would work for a certain amount of time um well you're not going to fix everybody overnight Dwayne. i mean we're not flipping a switch right we're it's, oh, no, 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 it's no. a process yeah so no, I, you know i i think you, you need people with with more broad mainstream appeal who have very little divisiveness around them um and and you get them to go out and and deliver these kinds of messages on a consistent basis and you know what people hear things often enough they start to believe that's been proven for sure in this current administration so how about we do that in a positive way yeah i'm I'm completely uh, 1000% agree with you. The the issue with it is certain people uh, worry more about their the image that they portray. The, right. The, the, and I, I know those guys are very, you know, very cognizant of, you know, their earning ability based on their Madison Avenue image. Um, but that's what we need is we need guys who are willing to risk something big like that that mm-hmm. can deliver a message you need somebody who's made enough money that they're <laughs> that they're good with with doing the right thing now right and, you know, and, and willing to maybe you might risk losing some uh uh 
sponsorship or, or money. Yeah. You know, when you when you do kind of do stuff like that and put yourself out there like that, you kind of tend to lose, you know, uh, uh, certain. I'm sure, you know, with both Manning and, and Shaq, they kind of appeal the two sides for whatever, you know, both sides for whatever reasons. But you're going to lose one side, you know, if you go full, you know, full in, if you jump all the way in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, let's uh, let you know you were talking about uh, Dwayne. I think you talked about, or, or maybe Jeff, about the um, you know the fact that you're not going to get everybody. And and yeah, the message is after a while, it is going to get to be like you said, it's going to get to be wallpaper after a while. We know that not everybody has a, a switch to flip, so the idea is to to try to get to the people like like Jeff's friend that he was talking about, you know, that that um, people like that are going to to maybe see enough of these uh, these ads or or whatever you want to call them uh, public uh, uh, PSAs and, and uh, you know that that something like that could make a difference if it was done the right way. Mm-hmm. And we know this is this is a slow battle. You know, it's going to take a long time and, and you're doing it one person at a time. It's just how it is. I think I think we ended the last podcast by talking about what we can do. And I think, you know, I think uh, I think we've kind of been talking about that throughout uh, this podcast. Um I wanted to get your thoughts on that and, and see if you guys have any other topics you want to cover before we close out. So, uh, Dwayne, why don't we why don't we start with you? Yeah, I got one one thing I want I want to point out because uh, I, I was doing some research uh, while we were talking earlier. Uh, says, why do players take a knee uh, when someone is hurt? So we were talking about people taking a knee during during the football and basketball games and stuff like that. So that it is not a sign of disrespect, as a sign to common uh, misconception among adults who feel it is necessary to scream at teenage boys. Unfortunately, the fact that some team has decided to take a knee during an injury timeout is a sign of respect, at least to believe as a universal practice. So when people take a knee. Um, at a basketball game or football team, a, a football game, if you've always seen again before the uh, protest, all stuff has, has been this is going on since forever. When somebody gets injured on the field, they we've always seen people take a knee. This is not a new practice. This is this is why we've been doing it again for, since before ever. So when we do it now again, it's been a sign of respect. So, so when people we do it now. Again, it's not against the the flag. It's not against the military. It's not against uh, the the national anthem or anything like that. Okay, it's for the respect or the loss of the people that uh, have gone before us. I'll, I'll put it like that. That's a great point. I don't think I've ever heard anybody tie those uh, tie those two things together, Dwayne. That's excellent. Uh, Slim, what's uh, pretty good? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you once again, everybody, for such a great and informative and insightful uh, podcast. I always enjoy uh, being with uh, people that I respect, such as such as you all, and I appreciate that you think of me uh, when you uh, come to topics like this. Uh, and if you decide to do it again, you know, you know where I'm at on, you know, you can find me on Twitter. So, yes, sir. Um, but uh, I, uh, Jeff brought up a good point. You know, I think uh, I'm going to follow uh, Jeff's lead and, and volunteer to work at the poll place here in my community or, or to try to find if people need a ride, you know, down to uh, uh, the place to vote. You know, try to do something in that aspect. I want to be a part of this change. You know, you don't want, you know, uh, we keep saying we don't want to sit on the sidelines and be on the wrong side of history. You know, uh, uh, there's a chance for uh, our voices to be heard and to make to make a serious change. And, uh, you know, I want to be a part of that change. I want to be able to tell my kids, hey, you know, uh, when... America wasn't at its best, you know. Uh, I help in in my own way to to uh, bring America back again, uh, to bring uh, unity and uh, uh, just to try to make America better again. And so uh, I think what I'm going to do is I am going to uh, do some volunteer work and stuff for November. So. I can be there and say that, you know, I am a part of this change and I want to be a part of this change. That's what it's all about, son. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. Jeff. Um, well, I, I, I respect all you guys and, and I appreciate you letting me weigh in on this topic, which honestly, um, although I'm passionate about it, um, is not my struggle. Um, so I try to come at this with a different perspective and, and hopefully my input is, is helpful. Um, I just want to say something real quick about Twitter. I think everybody who creates a Twitter account should start out with it uh, on private mode just until they figure out how Twitter works. And so you don't take things personally and until you learn how to communicate with the good people and with the trolls, and then you can go back out and be who you want to be. So today I took my account off private um, because I feel like I owe it to all of you guys to not hide i need to be aggressively going after these types of topics and i won't i won't shy away from a fight with anybody when it comes to what needs to happen um i was having a conversation with a customer today about how i think we go through cycles in life you know the pendulum swings one way then it swings the other um we're in kind of a dark place right now, but I believe that all of us who want to see the better days will make it get there eventually. 
and we're going to come out of this stronger as a result. So thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Coach, Yo. What, can, what can we do individually uh, to make things better? And do you have any right. additional topics? Yeah, there's one thing. Um, so, you you know, my, my crew, my Browns Twitter fam already know. I'll, I'll let you guys know a few things that I'm doing. So I am a task force commander for the north northern portion of uh, my state. And so, you know, I, I get when people say, yeah, I support the troops and all that stuff. That's good. And, you know, we're truly appreciative. But one way that you guys can, and I'm not saying, you know, you in general, but just people, one way you can show that you support the troops, especially with this COVID thing, is by wearing your mask and, and doing what you got to do. Because, for one, you know, we got these hurricanes, you know, that's, that's uh, getting ready to touch down eventually. Of course, in my state, we got all these, uh, you, know, uh, you know, things that nature is going to do, especially the guard guys I know in California. Uh, those guys been going nonstop with COVID. Then they have the uh, fires going on. Then they had the civil unrest that was happening. So, you know, most of the time you're going to see National Guard guys out there. If we all can, man, just, just put your mask on so we can go ahead and concentrate on other missions that we got to do. Um, right now I'm about to stand up 300 more soldiers uh, to help fight COVID. And this is just another fact for you guys to know. So, the National Guard, uh, in general, this is probably one of the largest mobilization efforts that the country has ever seen. So all the wars that you can think of with National Guard going off the fight, this here is the biggest mobilization. We have over 62,000 soldiers that are in their states trying to fight this COVID thing, okay? So, mm. you know, help us out a little bit on that. Um, as for the other topics and stuff, yeah, I mean... Stuff like this is what's going to help us out, having these talks. Um, sometimes with Twitter, I wish that I can actually speak to the people that I may have disagreements with because sometimes people may take the tone of that tweet the wrong way. And I do my absolute best to talk and conversate with people to get an idea of what they're thinking and maybe I can help out with misperception. Uh, um but what we all can do is is basically voice our frustrations and just listen. Um, not everybody's out here trying to change, you know, our country into something that I guess they're not accustomed to seeing. The way I see it, let's not let's work on the things that make us imperfect. So I tell my students this all this all the time. One thing that I love about my country, America is that it's perfect with all its imperfections. It is, a, you know, it's, it's not perfect, but it's those imperfections that make us different than the rest of the other countries in the world. Once we understand that, that, yeah, we do have our differences and that we can respect those differences, then we'll make the necessary movement to something that we ain't never seen before. I mean, we're still a young country. We're like the youngest country in the world. So we're still learning as we go. Now, in my lifetime, will I see that incredible change? I don't know. I might be a dead man. Who knows? I might get blown up or something. But I'm going to leave something for my kids to be proud of. And I think if we all did it that way, 
leave a legacy, you know, leaving the world better than, you know, how we were brought into it. I think that would not only be a, a gift to the next generation, but with my beliefs, it'd be, you know, me returning uh, this body to God, you know, at least a little bit better than what he gave, you know, gave to me. So that's my two cents on that, Mr. Rock. Thanks, Coach. Uh, oh, thank you for having me on. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. You know, uh, Coach, you, you said something, and I, I haven't made this public, um, but you you said you wish you could get reaction from some of the people you're talking to. Um, I'm actually a, a beta tester on a uh, on a new app, and it's going to go live, I think, within the next several weeks. But it's um, I'm not going to talk a ton about it, but it's going to it's going to give people the opportunity to actually talk and message at the same time. So I think it's going to be it could be a powerful tool for conversations like this. So I was asked to be a beta tester and I'm going to be somebody who's going to be able to start conversations on this new app. And I think it's a free app and everything just like Twitter. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be able to take conversations from Twitter over to this app. And I think if used properly, um, we could do a lot of positive things with it. So uh, people just need to watch and I'll be I'll be putting stuff out about it. I don't know a lot. I'm still learning about it. But um, from what you said, I just kind of wanted to throw it out because I think that uh, I think people are going to. I think people are going to enjoy the fact that you can get beyond the written word there and actually understand the tone and when you're having a real conversation with somebody. You know, there, there's not always enough characters on Twitter and you can't understand the tone. So when something's really important, I think this, this new app might be something that, uh, that could really be positive. It, it's always a pleasure talking with you guys. I respect all you guys so much. Uh, you know, I, I wish we could end this thing and feel like we've made some gigantic difference and that we've, you know, that we can say, ah, we've got this thing taken care of now. Um, we can't say again, that. You understand we are just scratching the surface. But again, we, we are starting the conversation, again, right. continuing the conversation to make a difference and we're that's right just starting we're doing our yep. part and you know yep. or, or we're 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 taking a step you know our part could be more than this um this is just this is just a step and it it you know um i think we all need to pay attention i think what what jeff and slim are, are doing is great and i think everybody needs to look for opportunities like this to to try to help out. I think um, everybody needs to keep their mind open to, to try to look for opportunities to, to interact with people they don't know and, and, and aren't uh, familiar with for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's just people that do different jobs from you or things like this, you know, it's not always about race, um, you know? So um, any, anyways, guys, uh, we've, we've been going for a long time and I just want to thank you all for uh, for hanging in. And uh, 
give all these guys a follow uh, at at Slimdog, at DB Excellence, at Coach Tolliver26, at Disposer Guru, and at Clearod B. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. Make sure you vote.